You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to today's episode of The Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. I am the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. Um, As of today's taping, The book is not yet available, but I've begun teaching from the book and I'll make you aware once the book is available, the book was written for Christians that have already experienced divorce. I think it's important that we state that, that it's not for those that are contemplating or um, in the midst of trying to figure out what they should or shouldn't do. This book is written for those that have already experienced the trauma of divorce And as I was going through different teachings and scriptures, um, things didn't settle on the inside of me. Uh, There was always areas that just always felt wrong, that just didn't quite make sense with a lot of the teachings. Most of it I find to be extreme, especially those that teach that once you're married to one individual, you're married for life. Um, They believe even in divorce, that that is still your spouse. Um, that that the marriage, as God views it, that the two of you are always going to be one. So any additional marriage that you enter into post-divorce is adultery. So there are so many extremes that I've heard taught on this subject. And as I began digging into the scriptures, uh, looking for truth as I'm going through the concordance, looking words up, studying their traditions, Jewish traditions, the Hebrew traditions, the law of Moses, the Torah, some of their culture, um, the requirements that the law uh, of the law and the judgments that were cast regarding certain um, behaviors and things that would transpire within marriage. I was completely blown away by the information I was just unraveling. And I just thought it was uh, important to, as I was putting all my information together. Just it was so much information that that I was like, this is going to be helpful for so many people. Um, especially those that suffered from condemnation as a result of getting divorced. Um, The book centers around the concept of shame. And so we're going to do deal with this uh, in later episodes. But I think uh, what I want to do today is we're going to deal with the teachings of Jesus Christ that we can look at what he actually said. And I know what's been taught. So this is what I've, I've heard most of my life. That if you've gotten divorced, then you've committed a sin. And I've heard that if you've gotten divorced, um, if you remarry, that second marriage is an adultery, is an adulterous relationship. Um, now, that was never taught in my church. But this was a topic that we, we didn't really touch on um, in our congregation. And there might be many congregations that just don't address this particular topic most times, and many books that I've purchased on the topic of divorce really focus on marriage. How come we're not talking about divorce itself? And so as I began digging through the scriptures, I found that there is so much information in the scriptures regarding divorce, but when we don't make it the focal point, then uh, we end up missing so much that is, that's revelatory within the scriptures. 
Uh, what we've done is we've demonized divorce, and I'm not uh, advocating for divorce. I'm not saying it's the solution. And we're going to get into the concept, the institution of divorce, of why God instituted it. I've heard people say that man created divorce. That is not true. Very first scripture that we find that deals with the divorce, God told Moses to put it within the laws. So they, they debate and they say, well, man came up with this concept. It was not. It was a godly, divine concept given to Moses. It was not a concept that you saw the surrounding nations doing that he warned the nation of Israel to not do. Um, you can see that with Molech. Do not let your youth pass through the fire. Don't send your seed through the fire. There are certain behaviors the surrounding nations were engaged with that was not permitted with the nation of Israel. But when it comes to divorce, he didn't say do not get divorced. He said to them was to put your wife away and then uh, give her a bill of divorce. So it's not a do not commandment. It is a commandment to do. And we're going to get into that as well because we'll see some of the abuse um, of the relationships that took place. And so the response to the abuse was to put divorce in place. So we're going to take time and deal with that, but not on today. Um, so I want to deal with the teachings of Jesus Christ, and, and I will explain to you what Jesus was really saying, what he was uh, emphasizing and highlighting in some of these uh, conversations at, where he mentioned divorce. So in Matthew chapter 5, this is the very first teaching we have from Jesus where divorce is mentioned. And so I first want to highlight things that are important to understand, um, key, key things that are critical that comes to understanding Jesus' teaching. Number one, we've identified his audience. This is Matthew chapter 4, the very last verse at verse 25. Matthew 4, 25, it talks about a great multitude from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, from Jordan, that was following Jesus when he began to teach. And in Matthew 5, 1, he begins uh, teaching, talking about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek. He goes through these teachings, and then he begins to explain at verse 17, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Some people get this concept very wrong because they feel like if, it's, if, he, if Jesus fulfilled it, then it's come to an end. No, to fulfill means it's come to its place of completion. And I think maybe on next week we'll kind of address this. How did Jesus bring the law to his place of completion? But understand uh, the maturing of the law, bring it to a place of full maturity, does not mean the law is done away with. Because that would mean certain laws that God put in place that he instituted through Moses, now that it's reached its place of completion, we no longer have to follow. Well, that doesn't make sense because thou shalt not kill. That's still required. We can't not. We can't now turn around and say, well, I can kill people because the law has been fulfilled. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. 
Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, his manservants, his, his donkeys, and so his possessions. None of those laws have changed. So the concept of fulfillment of the law does not mean the doing away with. Jesus makes this statement reminding, I want to remind you, he's teaching Jews, those people who knew the law. It's not like us who don't know our laws for our city. We don't know our state laws, but Jews were required to hear the reading of the Torah, the reading of the laws on a, a regular basis. Men and the women were all from very familiar with the laws of Moses. So the, the, the higher level was the Sadducees and the scribes, the Pharisees, those who devoted their life to understanding the law. They were like legal, uh, more, more like lawyers, attorneys. Um, the, the Sadducees were part of the Sanhedrin, so they're part of the, the judicial system. So the Judea judicial system where they would take the law and hear different arguments and cases and pr pronounce a verdict over those cases. But these were people given to the law, but everyone was familiar with the law. It's like we understand our law to a certain degree. I know I could bring my case to a judge and let the judge make a determination. And so understanding this concept, Jesus did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. What we teach that Jesus said regarding divorce would be a complete violation of Moses law. So most of what I've heard taught in regards to Jesus teaching on divorce was that except in the case of divorce, when we have an issue of, I'm sorry, except in the case of adultery. So when we have an issue of adultery within the marriage, then the spouse has the right to get divorced. That is not what, teach, what Jesus taught because it would have violated the law of Moses. They had laws in place regarding adultery. Let's look at two of those laws. And it's important as we get to Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5, we get down to verse 31 as we're going to put all this together. So the Levitical law required this in regards to adultery. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. The requirement when adultery occurred, talking about a husband and wife, if the husband cheats on the wife, wife cheats on the husband, it didn't matter, man or woman, they were both subjugated to this law. The priest was required to kill that individual. You go on the website, thedivorcechristian.com. We have a list of the, the laws, the 613 laws of Moses, the Levitical laws. And it states that for Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, that they were, it was death by strangulation. So they were required to strangle a person that had committed adultery. Um, and we have the example in the scriptures of Jesus where they brought the woman caught in the act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus with the intent of stoning her. Now we'll get into this at another point as well, because Jesus didn't say that the law has been fulfilled. 
He didn't say that we don't do that anymore. He would have been changing the laws of Moses. It would have been a complete violation of God's law. Adultery could not be permitted amongst God's people. We have got to understand that as Christians. God did not allow, he did not permit adultery to be among them. So the priests were required to kill any individual that would engage in that lifestyle of sin. There's another scripture in Deuteronomy 22, 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So shalt thou, thou put away evil from Israel. In the case of adultery, the evil had to be put away from Israel. So for this reason, there's no way Jesus would have come along and taught to Jews that in the case of adultery, just get divorced. I think last week we covered what happens if there was a case of uh, presumed adultery where the husband believes his wife might have committed adultery. And if you go to Numbers chapter 5, Beginning at verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, see, these are laws that God is putting in place, not man. The Lord says to Moses, speak to the nation of Israel, say unto them, if a man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, lies with him, uh, a man lies with her carnally and it be hid from your eyes, meaning you didn't see it, be kept closed. So you, you, you just, you believe that this is the case, but you don't know for sure. And it says, and she be defiled, and there be no witness against her, neither show was she taken in the manner. And verse 14, and the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled, then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest. So they were required to bring, in the case of suspicion, to bring the spouse to the priest. I won't read through this entire process on today. Um, I would suggest that you go back and listen to last week's episode. We went through it in more detail. But the concept of this was that God would make the judgment, not man. It was not a, a group of witnesses. It was not a jury of your peers. It wasn't the priest trying to look in her face to determine if she's lying or not lying they would sit that spouse before God and God would determine their innocence or their guilt. If they were guilty, there was a curse that came upon that woman. And it was so pronounced that everyone knew that this was a woman caught in the act of, of, of adultery, that the law of jealousies was executed against her. And now she is a cursed woman for the rest of her life. In this case, it seems like the woman didn't die. I'm not sure um, exactly how this was carried out or if they killed her uh, following the proof of her guilt. It seems like it, it wasn't the case in light of how it was written there in Numbers chapter five. But if the woman refused to go through this process with the priest, then it was presumed guilt that she was admitting her guilt. And uh, in that case, she would be put to death. But I think it's important for us to understand that the evil, the sin, the evil of adultery was not permitted to be in Israel. 
could not be permitted. It is a sin. So there's no way Jesus would show up now, even with the, the concept of grace, as I've heard others teach. Jesus was teaching grace. The, the grace message is not a violation of God's law. Grace doesn't mean we have grace, so now we can commit sins. And to be honest with you, as Paul explained, and I won't take the time today, but Paul explained that under the law, they were judged and condemned out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And he says that God's or Jesus' blood is holy. So how much worse when those that were condemned were covered by the blood of animals, a lesser, a lesser sacrifice, whereas we that are covered by the blood of Jesus through grace, how holy is Jesus' blood? So how dare we take grace and use this liberty that's been extended to us to perform sins, to, to engage in sinful acts? He's, uh, Paul explained that it's so much worse when you have tread underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. You've dishonored Jesus' blood. You've taken something holy and you've made it unholy. It's way worse in God's eyes. But don't think for a minute that being under grace affords us liberty by which I can do things and just ask Jesus to forgive me. It really does not work that way. So it's important that we understand these foundational teachings because it doesn't line up with the traditional teachings that have been taught on divorce. Now, in this uh, passage, we could go back to Matthew 5. It's the same conversation he had in Matthew 19 or in Mark. Um, but we're just using Matthew 5 today as our, our reference point. Number one, Jesus is talking to Jews. Number two, they understand the law of Moses. They know the requirement if somebody's caught in the act of adultery. Number three, we understand that there is a mistranslated word in this passage. So in Matthew 5, verse 31, it says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. This is a quote. Jesus is quoting the law of, of Moses. Did not come to change the law. At verse 32, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. I think many have taught, many Christians have taught, and many of us that have read the Bible think because the word but used, that Jesus is saying something contrary to verse 31. But he's not. He's not changing the law. So he's not saying that don't give a bill of divorce. He's actually going on making an additional statement. The law requires you to put away your wife and give her a writing of divorcement. Now, this word put away is the word apolio. Important that we understand this because this is where we realize there's a mistranslated word. A word the word apolio, A-P-O-L-Y-O, -O, it means put away. And the definition of that means to set free to let go, to dismiss, bid, depart, to send away, to release. 
And so all these, that concept is not the concept of divorce. Apollo is the concept of separation. But it's what many relationships experience before divorce. There's a separation that occurs. And I think it's important to understand that separation is not always physical. We need to recognize that separation occurs even when two people are still living in the same home. There's a separation that occurs in the mind and in the heart. That's way more important than the physical act of separation. But we're going to hit these, these key areas again at another point. But once again, whosoever shall Apollo put away his wife shall send her away. Let him give her a writing of divorcement. Why? Because just to separate does not end the marriage. Just to separate does not end the covenant. So the requirement was to give her a writing of divorcement. Verse 32. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife. Or when we understand a polio again, whoever shall separate from his wife. Now, this is where the error lies in the teaching, because in some translations of the Bible, it says, but I say that a man who divorces his wife, that word divorce is not the, in the original text. So purchase a concordance, look this word up. You're going to find the word apolio, the same concept of separate or to put away. So it doesn't say, I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she's unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. That is completely in error. It's completely false. And this is where our false teachings have come from. What Jesus really said was that I tell you that a man who put away his wife, a polio, his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. Why? Because they're still married. A woman that's been put away, that's been separated from the husband, if she remarries another man, that is considered an adulterous marriage, is now married to two men. If you are married to two people, then you have committed bigamy. And when I did my research and I looked up the Levitical laws regarding bigamy, I was stunned. This is something I've never heard taught. But it was very much an eye opener. And I didn't realize that this is not only a it was not only a major problem within Jesus days. It's still a current issue uh, amongst the Jewish culture. I won't take the time today to explain why, but we definitely gonna look at this law of bigamy because this is what Jesus was really pushing on. Once again, I, but I say unto you, this is Matthew 532, but I say unto you. That whosoever shall put away, not divorce, that's the wrong word, it's a polio. Whoever shall separate from his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. Why? Because they did not get divorced. Now married to two men. And then it says, and whosoever shall marry her, that is divorced. That word divorce is not a part of the original text either. Once again, the word is a polio, so it's the concept of being separated. So this is how it reads. And whosoever shall marry her that is separated committeth adultery. Why? Because he married, this man married a woman that is already married. So now in that case, if I'm married to a married woman, 
in God's eyes, you're now committing adultery. Now let's address the fornication part. We know what transpires in the case of fornication within the Jewish community now. We understand the law written in Leviticus chapter 20. We know what's written in, in Deuteronomy. And now we know the law of jealousies that has to be pronounced in the case of presumed adultery. So now, saving for the cause of fornication, what is he saying? He's saying, actually, in the case of fornication, in the case of adultery within a marriage, you do not have to get divorced. Why? Because in those cases, the spouse was killed. The priests were required to kill that spouse and put that evil out of Israel, away from Israel. But now, whosoever shall separate from his wife, except in the case of adultery or fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is separated, commits adultery. So Jesus' first statement and the second statement goes together. Whosoever shall separate from his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Why? Otherwise, they're entering into bigamous relationships, which are adulterous in God's eyes. The only time you don't need a divorce is in the case of adultery, because in the case of adultery, they killed the spouse. Jesus was really pushing on bigamy, was pushing on the concept of adulterous marriages because they're now legally married to two people. Understand this, Jewish culture and law, they had ketubahs, they had marriage contracts that were signed uh, during the engagement process well before they got married. But these were individuals that are now in two contracts with an individual. They got the former spouse and the new spouse. So this is really where the issue lied. Jesus was addressing bigamy within the nation of Israel. We're going to keep pushing on this on next week. We're going to look at the laws of bigamy. I think that's going to be helpful for us to understand what Jesus was really saying to them. Thank you for joining us. Visit the website today, DariusGood.com or TheDivorcedChristian.com. Thank you for joining us once again. Be blessed. You've been listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.